This week on the Boag World Web Show, we discuss 10 ways to improve your user's mobile experience. Shut up. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I want to lie down. You want to lie down? Yeah, I, I get, want I, a little lie down. <laughs> I, I know how you feel, Paul. I know why you feel like that. So we've been, we've been away, haven't we, Marcus? Yes, we had to work very hard. We did. We're not used to working hard. <laughs> no, we've been, we've been out in America yep. working with our first higher education client out there. Mm-hmm. Yay! And it was a really good week. I really enjoyed it. But boy, am I knackered now. Unbelievable. I know. I mean, I slept like a baby on the way home. Well, that's an exaggeration. I slept on the plane on the way home, and I still feel like, well, crap, basically. But I don't <laughs> but think... It's, it's Wednesday now. I should feel better by now. I know, <laughs> but I don't, think, I don't think it's the jet lag. I think it is the intensity of what you do when you're out there. And it, it sounds stupid, doesn't it? Because essentially all you're doing is sitting and listening to people. Because mm. we did Lots of a lot of stakeholder interviews, mm-hmm. um, which are always, you know, we're, we're basically just sitting in a room listening to what people have got to say. But I, I suppose, oh, I don't know, mm-hmm. it's so tiring, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. I think it's age as well, Paul. Do you reckon we're just getting old? <laughs> it was really funny just before we started recording this, we were talking about, look, can we retire yet? Is that, <laughs> is that an option? No. Not that old, unfortunately. No. Well, who says you shouldn't retire until 65? Well, we just need to find somebody to pay us lots of money so we can retire. That was actually like when people say, oh, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. And I'm thinking, well, I bloody would. <laughs> I probably wouldn't, but I'm quite happy to set, sit staring into space until I die, basically. That's fine by me. No, I, I would just play lots of computer games. I'm so at the moment I've turned into a gamer, which is really weird. I haven't done that for years. Yeah, it has to be a very special game to get my attention. Well, I, I think I've finally discovered the kind of game I like. Mm. For years, I thought I liked kind of um, open world games like MMOs and that kind of thing, right? Massive multiplayer for you, for you, Marcus, because I know you don't know the the kids' the lingo, the lingo. <laughs> Um, but I've discovered, actually, what I like are cinematic games. Games that basically you're kind of going through a movie. So um, I've really enjoyed the latest Tomb Raider. Really good story. Really, really engaging. And you just want to give... Because um, it's a younger Lara Croft. And you just want to give her a big hug. Because she's having such a bad day. <laughs> um, and getting beaten up so much. And you know, you just want to make it better. Um, but you still and, must and have to kind of jump through fiery hoops and get your timing right and grab onto that leg yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you do. But I just play it on easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, yes, I agree with you there. I can remember uh, the last time I played a game like that was Half-Life. Well, that's how long ago I played a game like that. And yeah, always easy. 
Yeah, it's like, why, why make life hard for yourself? Life is hard enough, isn't it, without making computer games hard, quite, too? Quite, quite, yeah. And then I'm also playing another game called um, Last of Us, which is a zombie game. And, and that, actually, I don't know why I'm playing that one. Within about the first ten minutes, it, they, you know, they, they immediately kick you in the gut, right at the beginning. It's like emotional roller coaster from moment one. Right. So I don't know why I'm playing that one. But again, it's such a... I mean, it's incredible. These are like full-on blown movies these days. Beautifully acted. Really, really compelling. Just brilliant. They really are works of art these days. You ought to have another go, Marcus. I don't don't like games that are too big. I want to be able to just sort of go away for sort of ten minutes and have a play and then come back again. Yeah, you're more of a casual gamer. A casual gamer. Limbo was fantastic. What was Limbo? Well, go go into the app store and buy it. It's 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 probably about first time through. It's you know you'll do it in a, a few hours. Is it a puzzle solving game? It's this little boy who goes into limbo to find his sister. Okay. Um, and he comes across lots of problems that he has to. Uh, uh, and it, it's it's not. It, it's play it. It's okay. it's quite scary in places. Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> so we got to put a link in the show notes to Tomb Raider, The Last of Us, and Limbo. Yeah. That'll annoy me when I come to do the show notes. <laughs> and That's also been... Portal. I love Portal, which is proper, get, um, uh, you know, problem solving. Yeah, you should, I think this is my problem. I don't like solving problems. Mm. I, I feel like I do that all day. So why do I want to do it in a, in, in a game too? Because it's satisfying. I like shooting people. That's much more satisfying. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a similar sort sort of um, satisfaction. Yes, putting putting an arrow through somebody's head—that <laughs> is one particularly nice thing about Tomb Raider. It's got the most satisfying bow and arrow um, play that I've ever come across. It's lovely. Anyway, uh, the the Half Life zoom in crossbow was always my favourite. Oh yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> Zooming in, I, I'm definitely a kind of stealth sniper kind of person. Coward, basically. A coward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that probably sums me up quite well, Marcus. <laughs> so, anyway, this week, we ought to get on with this show before we fall asleep partway Indeed. through. Because 10 points always seems a lot, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're looking at 10 ways of approving your mobile experience. It was because I wrote a blog post um, that I, I, I posted recently about... Um, 10 ways to improve your checkout system or something like that. And I'll put a link in the show notes for that. And somebody commented, oh, can you do this for mobile? And I thought, no, I can't be bothered. <laughs> um, but then it occur- occurred to me, it'd make a great podcast. So, so we're going to look at 10 ways for improving your mobile experience on the website. Because, of course, now, not just checkout and e-commerce, but, like, you know, just generally. Because, mm. of course, now mobile is so massively important. And and it does it, it does amuse me that companies are scrabbling to sort out their mobile offering. I remember talking about this in two thousand and six. Well, you know, you're so ahead of your time, Paul. I am, and it was well only because Cameron Moll was. <laughs> Cameron Moll wrote a great ebook back in two thousand and six about um, the mo- uh, what mobile was going to do. I'll see if I can find a link for the show notes of that as well, um, and. Um, yeah, and so he was. Like, he he put, wrote this great book, and it was like, yes, this is going to happen. And every year from then on, I was going right. This year's going to be the mobile year, and it wasn't. Yeah, and now it is. Well, it has been for a while, hasn't it? Now, but seeing as you're so up to speed with the subject, do yeah. you actually need me for the next bit? 
Yes, I do. Because <laughs> I'm sure you're going to have a lot. Well, I, I envisage, do you want me to know, to know what your role is for this podcast? It's to moan about each point. Moan right. about it, okay. Because I think you'll go for each of these points. You'll go, oh yes, I went to this app and <laughs> and it was really shit for this. And you know, I think you'll you'll rant. You'll be our average Joe consumer going, this sucks. Right. Okay. I don't think it'll apply to all of them, but we'll to some of them. Should we kick off then? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So number one in our our list of ways to improve the user's mobile experience. Mm-hmm. is to choose your breakpoints based on the content and not the device. So what do I mean by that? Well, um, I think what there's a little bit of um, a thing. <laughs> a thing. A thing, yes. Where people are going, okay, so I'm going to design a desktop version and a tablet version. Yeah. And a mobile version. Um Okay, so what's the tablet version? Or let me get out whatever my tablet happens to be, whether it be an iPad or a, a Galaxy Note or whatever. I don't know, whatever the young people use these days. Um, <laughs> and, and go, oh, okay, so that's got that resolution. That's going to be where my breakpoint is. Um, which is a very dangerous line mm. for lots and lots of reasons. So See, I thought we'd got round this. I thought this was a thing of the past, but it's talking to... I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but and there was an expectation of that's what responsive design was. Pick these different points where the where you're going to break the where the design's going to break into a different uh, layout, and it's like, yeah. ooh, no, that's not right. I think it's it, it, it's again, it's that kind of left that di- leftover desire from print to know what your canvas size is. Yes. Um, you know, and they kind of accepted there isn't a one canvas size now, but then surely there's three, yeah, you know, yeah. there's a mobile or a tablet and a desktop. But of course the trouble is, is that, that there's an infinite number of screen sizes and resolutions and all the rest of it. And, you know, you've got, I mean, Android, if you take Android alone, there, there are just a phenomenal number of screen sizes um, but even if you're stupid enough to go, oh, well, you know, uh, we're going to focus on the iPhone, which, by the way, is is stupid ass to do. But if you do do that, even then you get into trouble because, I mean, what we're, we're probably weeks away now from an iPhone 6 coming out, and that's going to have a different screen size again. And you can pretty much guarantee we're weeks away from a, um, a Apple smartwatch coming out um, or being announced. Mm. And, uh, again, that will be a tiny tiny screen so um you can't you just can't think in terms you know like that you have to think basically take the content of your website you know um you say start small start down at whatever you know as small as you feel you can get away with then start um uh scaling up your browser and go okay so what do we look like you know is it is it beginning to look stupid now because it's just got one column is it time to now switch to two columns here? Is it time to, um, you know, increase the font size a little bit so the line length doesn't get too long? That kind of thing. So basically, you're just breaking, um, you know, you're changing your breakpoints where the content demands it and not really worrying about the device because that way it's going to look great on whatever comes along, past, present, or future, isn't it? So, so that's the first point. Break based on content and not device. Okay, so next up is 
to keep those links well spread. <laughs> what does that mean, Paul? Well, I, I, interestingly, the the um, the organisation we've just been talking to out in, in America, we did a review of their site, didn't we? And their their site is not set up for um, mobile at the moment. So it's a real pinch and zoom kind of scenario there. Um, and everybody in the organization needs it, knows it needs to be sorted for mobile. And that's that's great. It was actually really encouraging to find, you know, everybody was pulling in the same direction over that. But on their existing site, one of the things that they've got is um, a, a, um, mega menus, yes. drop down mega menus. And even if you pinched and zoomed, these drop down mega menus have massive lists of links in them. And all the, you know, all these, the, the text on these links was something like 10 point or something. It was tiny, tiny text. And they were all really closely, you know, put it put together. Mm. And so even if you zoomed right in, you couldn't click on one link over another. Um, and that's the big problem because, of course, you get a lot more precise control with a, um, a mouse than you do with a touchscreen. Yeah. So it's really important that you spread out those links well. Where possible, run them horizontally rather than stacking them vertically because immediately that makes a bigger touch point. Um, But if you have got them stacked vertically, then make sure they're well spread apart so that it's easy for someone to select one link over another. Especially if you've got big sausage fingers. Like, I don't know, you, for example. (laughs) Fairly sausagey, yeah. You, you, You find touchscreens quite difficult sometimes, don't you? Uh, I find um, smartphones difficult because my eyesight's gone. Ah, that we come on to that mm. later. But yes, I mean, there's not. Yeah. Mega menus are a funny thing, aren't they? I mean, sometimes they're really useful. Um, I'm thinking of uh, the the law firm site that we did, Dixon Shapiro, where although we have re- their their main nav had mega menus for all items, and that's recently been reduced to two for the reason I'm about to give. That basically, if mega menus can add something rather than just being a list of links then i think they they have value and i'm thinking of the people drop down where you can kind of do an a to z quick search you can you can do a, a person text search yeah. uh, in the drop down and that's and it has you know you've got a kind of um highlighted attorney as well all of that stuff kind of adds value but if it's just a a bunch of links then why not just let people click through uh, particularly bear in mind what we're talking about out here when it goes down to small screen size well i mean we look, obviously it's screen size um the small screen version of dickstein loses the mega menu but yeah uh, it, it doesn't if uh, you haven't got a, a responsive design so, i think that's a you make quite an interesting point there is is just because um links are closely packed together um uh, you know, on the desktop version, um, using a mega menu or whatever else, doesn't mean you need to do it on the same way on mobile. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. you could decide not to have a mega menu on on a mobile device, or you could decide to spread the links or present them differently. You know, I think sometimes with responsive, we we get into the mindset responsive is essentially just about changing the layout. But it doesn't need to be. It can be much more fundamental than that. You know, it can it can involve different typography. You hell, you could even change the colour scheme if you wanted. You know, and I think we need to be ma- much more imaginative in the way that we use responsive than we are at the moment. Um, and that, that's another thing that always amuses me, which which isn't in the list is you know. Um, 
when um, when people, uh, companies say, "Oh yes, we'll make your site responsive," you know, and agencies will make your site responsive. I think it's really quite important to find to to kind of pin down what do you mean by that, mm. you know, because there are lots of different degrees of responsiveness. How far you go. Um, so I think it's quite important to kind of define in more detail, you know, what you're talking about when you're saying it's going to be responsive, um, because it's quite easy to do a fairly budget job and call it responsive. So, yes. Mm. Anyway. All right. So let's move on to number three. So this one's a, a, a more techie one, Marcus. Yeah, can I fall asleep on this one? You, you, well, I don't think... Can I make a cup of tea or something? I, I, think, I think you'll have experienced the consequences of it. And it's <laughs> basically to, to watch um, that you're not using complex JavaScript. Okay. Um, now, the reason being is that um, smartphones are not as powerful as your desktop computer. And I, I don't know whether you've ever experienced this, but I've come across websites that really will slow down on a mobile device or hang the browser entirely. Have you ever come across that? I have, yes. And often I think that's because it's got quite, you know, heavy-duty JavaScript that hasn't been um, optimized for mobile devices. And so you can get quite a performance hit if you're not careful. Um, Not in terms of necessarily download, but in terms of how sluggish it feels in the browser. And I think this is particularly important because users are used to mobile apps, native apps that are very snappy and very fast. Mm. Um, And then suddenly you get this kind of what feels like quite an inferior experience on a website because the JavaScript is, you know, chugging away. Um, and the browser isn't um, doing a particularly good job at it. So just kind of keep an eye on that. I don't think this is as major a one as some of the other issues, um, so I'm not going to dwell on it massively. But I have noticed it one or two times on a few websites that I've visited. Um, and it is yet another reason, in my opinion, for, for using JavaScript lightly. I got myself in trouble recently on Twitter over this because I, you know, I... I basically said that where possible websites should work without javascript enabled and um and that caused a huge uproar saying well javascript is part of the modern web blah 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 and i'm not saying that you shouldn't use javascript all i'm saying is where possible progressively enhance you know have have it working without javascript and then layering javascript on top of it now admittedly if you're talking about a kind of web app rather than a website then that's probably more unrealistic expectation. Um, but I think once you start getting into web applications, um, then maybe you're better off at, um, certainly considering whether you want to build a, a native app um, in such cases rather than um, you know a, a web app, if that made sense. Well, um <sighs> I'm pretty sure I'm correct in saying that if if your website doesn't work um, without JavaScript, then it doesn't reach certain WCAG levels. Yes, absolutely. I I think it's the lowest level. Yeah, I mean, this is is an interesting one and again causes arguments because the truth is that um, screen readers, screen readers always used to be your problem group. Um, when it comes to, to JavaScript. But, mm. but actually, um, screen readers are just a layer that's layered on top of your browser. So they can... It's not that they can't understand JavaScript. They can understand it, because if the browser can understand it, so can the screen reader. The problem is, is that some... 
um, uses of JavaScript um, can cause problems. Um, so, for example, it, it, it's as with all things, it's down to how well you code it mm. and how well it's created. So, for example, let's say um, you update a piece of content on the page using AJAX. Okay, so someone uh, 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 someone clicks a link that updates content on another part of the page. In theory, that's fine um, because a, a screen reader user, if it's coded correctly, can be notified of the change and moved to it. Um, but often cases, people haven't thought of that. And so, um, you know, th- therefore, the, the, the screen reader user will be completely unaware that something is updated on the page. So that's one example. Another example is um, not, you know, putting um, keyboard navigation into it. There's, there's a whole, you're breaking the back button. There's all kinds of different things that you can do badly with JavaScript. So it's not that JavaScript is inherently inaccessible. It's just that it can create problems if you are not thinking through all of the ramifications of it. Um, And that includes how well it's going to run on a mobile device. So Mm. it's a a tricky area, JavaScript. Should we move on to number four? So this is quite an important one, I think, because it can make all the difference on your mobile app, which is to um, serve the appropriate sized imagery. So what do I mean by that? Well, um... The, again, as uh, with all things, it's not black and white. If I'm using a mobile device, it is um, it is possible that I am using a cellular connection. Yes. Okay, correct. Um, I, I suppose equally, if you're using a desktop vo- device, it's possible I'm using a cellular connection. But certainly, um, you know, when you're using a small screen device, you don't need to um, download and serve very large images. You know, because if you're viewing it on a cinema display monitor, you're going to need a bigger quality image to, you know, to um, display than you are on a kind of, you know, four four point seven inch, you know, mobile device. Um, so the kind of advice here is to think very, very carefully about what image you're serving in what situation on what device. Because if someone is on a cellular connection, you don't want to be serving a bigger image than they actually need. That said. It is more complicated than that because a lot of um, small screen devices um, are actually retina displays. So you want to, in that situation, you want to be serving a higher resolution um, image to, you know, ensure it looks good on that screen. Also, just because um, someone is using a mobile device doesn't necessarily mean that they're using a a cellular connection they might be on wi-fi at home equally just because someone's using a laptop doesn't mean that they're on a good connection so there's kind of a little bit of kind of uncertainty so what should we do paul i know it gets worse it's worse than even that because also on some cellular networks the image is automatically compressed pretty damn well for you. True. Um, especially on UK networks. We seem to be better at this than, than mm-hmm. um, in the US. Um, so the, the kind of the, the, the um, server is compressing the image as well. So what do you do? <sighs> Don't know, really. <laughs> well, how can you have it as some, uh, serve the appropriate sized image? What is the appropriate sized image? 
I, I think the advice I'm I'm giving here is to think about it okay. and, and kind of come to your own conclusion. I don't want to. Uh, in some ways, I don't want to give a black and white answer with this one because there isn't one. Yeah. My feeling is you should be serving. I think, generally speaking, you ser- try and serve a smaller image on a smaller screen size um, because, yeah, sure, um, you, it might be Retina, um, but. Actually, you oftentimes it's when I say smaller, I'm not talking about physical dimensions, I'm talking about file size. All right, so for example, um, it's often better to serve a still quite a big image in terms of dimensions, but at a really high compression rate, and then scale it down in dimensions when it's being displayed on a mobile device, yeah, because actually that visually will look better. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've done on the latest Headscape site. Oh, is it? I believe. I don't know. I, I realised I wasn't talking to the microphone there. Sorry, microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think you've offended the microphone. It's okay. I, I've, I've since given up um, trying to work out what clever magic Dan does. Um, but this is where, I mean, Dan, you know, half the things that I'm quoting in this, this particular podcast are straight out of Dan's mouth. He's far cleverer than I am over this stuff. And he spent quite a lot of energy looking at uh, the appropriate image sizes and stuff um and this is kind of uh, the answer i got from him when when i asked exactly the same question as you just asked is well it depends mm. um so i don't think there is a black and white answer to this but certainly certainly carefully consider um the best approach i'll be interested to hear what other people do so if you're listening to this um pop along to the the show notes which are at boagworld.com forward slash season forward slash 10 and you can get to this episode which is number five um give us a comment and let us know how you're dealing with images because that's quite an interesting one okay next one kind of follows on actually nicely from that because Mm -hmm. one of the things that we were saying on that last one is you can't presume that someone who is using a mobile device necessarily is on a crappy connection um and that is because you cannot presume that a user is on the go just because they're using a mobile device i don't know about you marcus but i seem to um spend as much time using my my mobile at home as i do away especially when i'm watching tv yeah, I think people use their iPhones, Android devices, whatever, on their, um, you know, their home Wi-Fi probably more than anywhere else. To, yeah, to, I- to serve up, you know, kind of web web-related content. Obviously, for making calls and texts and things, maybe not, but but for using it as a kind of mini computer, if you like, I reckon, and I'm making this up, obviously, uh, but I reckon the most common. U- place that people use it is on their home wi-fi when they can get served whatever they want basically so uh, and this is where it gets quite interesting because there there was a train of thought and it is a train of thought that's going away thankfully but there was a train of thought for a while oh you know um if if somebody's using a mobile device we need to prioritize content that mobile users might want like Mm. contact information because they're walking down the street trying to find our address you know and i just don't think you can presume that I, I, the truth is you've got no idea mm. why someone is um, accessing your website via a mobile device. And I think as a result, you have to serve pretty much the same content. I don't think you can presume one way or another. What is it they say about assuming it makes an ass out of you and me? <laughs> or me and you, or I don't know, something like that. Some witty thing. So, yes, don't don't yeah. make presumptions about um, what people are doing on their mobile devices. They might not be using it on the go. 
Yeah, it's only it's only stuff take away stuff that makes the mobile experience harder. That's the only thing that I think. Like as we, you know, like a, a mega menu, for example. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, that's about changing the interface, yeah, not yeah. the the content. Yeah. So perhaps this one should be ser- serve the same content to everybody. Don't know. Yeah. But certainly don't presume that they're on the go. Okay, number six. And this is a really important one. Think mobile from the start. Um, after, uh, the worst thing in the world that you can do is build a desktop website and then go, okay, so how do I make this mobile? Um, you will make your life so much more painful. Um, this, is, this is something Dan bangs on about endlessly. God, he's so annoying. Um, <laughs> which is that really you should start with the very basic content and work up in your design. Um, now, that is a really hard tradition, a hard transition to make for for those of us that that kind of have either come from a print background or have kind of come from the desktop era of of um, the web to start by just looking at the you know the very basic content and then building it up is a hard hard thing to do but it is really really important so the way that i kind of do it um is that i start with the individual you know so so you put you you get your content in place then you start styling the basic styling for typography headings subheadings you know all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff then after you've got that then you start um styling the different modules that make up your website you know so whether it be a news listing or a search box or a you know header bar or whatever else and i get it styled for mobile um and then you start adding in some um a a grid system you know a grid system for on a tablet and on on a desktop and then kind of um you know adapt the the modules for those different sizes at the end um it's a it's quite a hard way to work but it's really nice because when you start that way round, you're building yourself a pattern library as you go link in the show notes to a definition of pattern library um and that makes a huge difference it makes the whole process much much easier um because you then got this great library of modules that you can essentially reuse from template to template and ensure consistency across your site and all the rest of it so it does make a huge difference starting with content starting mobile first um and building up i agree that content first is right yes i think that mobile first is not really workable um because in a kind of you know an uh, an agency client world where and you know if i was a client i would fit into this you know well i was a client recently with the with the new headscape site i i wouldn't have been able to go yeah that design works for me just seeing a mobile version oh no 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 i'm not suggesting that sorry i didn't mean mm. to apply that i think you yeah it depends on I was talking about how you physically build the site more than right, anything sure. else. Okay. Um, but even in, in the design process, I think it probably helps the designer a lot to start, you know, with content, then do the mobile device, then do the, you know, what it look like on tablet and so on and so on, um, up to desktop and then, you know, then present it to the client. I think the client definitely needs to, essentially, I think the client definitely needs to see, you know, those kind of three main views of the site if that makes sense yeah um 
after just saying earlier not to um, break, you know, to break based on content and not device. I think clients often need to be able to see, you know, okay, it'll look like this on, on you know, a mobile device, it'll look like this on a tablet, etc. Um, now, of course, whether you should um, be mocking those different ones up in Photoshop or whether you should be doing it in a browser, well, that's largely up to you. That's just however you choose to build it. Okay, number seven. Avoid form filling. Mm. I bet you hate this one, Marcus. I can imagine. I can just hear you swearing and ranting. Yeah, because you can't... I'm assuming, and this is an assumption again, that the way the sort of text area of the screen is dealt with, uh, you know, appears is different from device to device to device. And what usually happens with form filling is you can't see what you're filling in um, because the, the keyboard covers up whatever it, whatever it was you were working on. I mean, it's get, you can get round it, but it sort of becomes, it, obviously you're, you're taking over half of your, your view, if you like. So, and it's just, you know, typing on mobile devices is not the most pleasant experience you're more likely to make errors it auto completes stuff where and auto correct stuff mm-hmm. that drives you nuts you know and so i think and, and and actually i'm really pleased that you know this is one of the benefits i think the mobile has brought to the web as a whole is making filling forms bloody frustrating. And I'll tell you why I think it's benefited the web as a whole. It's because it's finally made marketers pause from adding loads of optional fields in. Yeah. You know, you know when they always used to kind of, oh, tell us your inside leg men- measurements so we can sell your data to third parties who want to sell you trousers. Yeah, yeah. I think this point is really reduced forms to their most basic absolutely because you can't you know you some some reasons for going to a website are to fill a form in but yeah don't make it any more difficult than it can be but also i I guess the point i was making and this is me not really knowing all the different systems that well is you need to consider what happens that the what happens when you when you tap on that form to fill it in what how does how does the view change yeah and i think is is something that maybe could be considered um by a lot more website designers than there currently are tab order is another really important one that's kind of related to that i've been mm. to because it, um like for example on the iphone um when you're filling in a field there's a little arrow that lets you move to the next field mm-hmm. and sometimes it jumps you all over the place um because the tab order hasn't been set properly so uh, basically, filling in forms is damn fiddly on mobile devices, and you need to give it a lot of love and attention. Yes. That's the long and the short of it, isn't it? Absolutely. And again, this can be another um, situation where if you're not careful, weird bits of JavaScript you've got going on can cause all kinds of problems. So I remember filling in a form once um, where it had validation as you go. Right. Right. And so I was, um, I skipped, I was using the arrows to move between fields. um, And it's, for some reason, I I pressed it twice and it skipped a a field. And it quite, because it had recognized that I had focused on that field. It then tried to validate it. The validation was wrong. And so it jumped me back up the page to show me the validation error. And I lost my place in the form field. 
So you can have weird things like that. So you really need to kind of test on 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 mobile devices for form filling um, to ensure that it's not an absolute pain in the ass, basically. Okay, this one's in here just for you, Marcus, because you're getting blind, aren't you, in your old age? Yeah, and it, it the difference because people laugh at me, including you, Paul. Oh, uh, would I laugh at you? They go. They just look at my phone and just start laughing. I'm like, what's wrong with them? And then they go, look how big your text is. Um, and it's like, well, actually, there are many more options. I can make it much bigger, but you get to the point of, like, you can get one word per line. Um, and obviously, when I've got glasses on, it's fine. Um, although I still wouldn't want to go down to where, it, where I had it two years ago. Uh, kind of standard size that just looks it just looks minute uh to me now so yeah um bear in mind that people who have standard sight if you like um i don't don't wear glasses when they're young will all this will happen to all of them at some point in their 40s because the muscles weaken around your eyes and you just can't focus on stuff anymore that's close up so yeah and um, i guess where i'm going with that is that particularly if you've got a, a an audience of 45 plus um bear it in mind but uh, bear it in mind for everyone yeah i mean legibility is a huge issue mm. i think on, on mobile devices and we're, and we're not even just talking about necessarily the size of text we're talking about line length and, mm. and spacing and all spacing of those kinds massive, of things massively important yeah it's almost as you know space spacing between lines is as important as the size of the text so you know spend some time really thinking about it. it's one of the things that i love that dan has done with the the um new headscape and boag world site is that as you scale that site the the typography adjusts mm. um you know so on a on, you know, it, on a mobile device actually it, it does get kind of smaller which um I, at some stage i think i need to have words with him on but what he's tried to do and i can co- totally understand why he's done it is um he's adjusted the line length um so the line length always remains consistent you know even at a small um you know small screen size but when you scale up his website into a massive browser um like a cinema display all the text gets considerably bigger you know because it's making use of the available space again he's keeping the line length <laughs> consistent and readable so focusing on legibility i think is a really quite important area number nine is to consider one-handed use um, there's been some really interesting research done on this about different ways people hold their mobile phones. Um, now, I sometimes think this can be overplayed a little bit because I think if, you know, um, someone is navigating a website, they'll hold it in one hand and peck at it with a finger in the other. Um, but certainly if you're, if you're creating any kind of um, app, um, I, you know, it's certainly worth considering the positioning of buttons and, um, you know, key pieces of, of content on that. So, for example, if you open um, your average app today for, um, I don't know, let's let's pick one. I've just opened um, a, a tweet bot. Along the bottom, it has all of the main sections that you might want to navigate through because your thumb can easily reach that. Um, and you've got this kind of arc that you can uh, easily reach but if you want to reach say the top left corner of your um your mobile device actually it's kind of a stretch 
So you put less important stuff up in that corner. So it depends th- on the size of your hand, surely. It does, but it's still a kind of fairly consistent... It's still going to be easier, generally speaking, um, within that kind of arc. It also depends on how you hold it, because people hold their phones in different ways. Mm. There's actually several routes um, for holding it. I've been avoiding saying this, but I uh, there is a... Somewhere I have seen some great diagrams about this and how to, you know, how different people hold their mobile devices and the different reach they've got. I will try and find a link in the show notes to that one because it really does demonstrate how one-handed use is quite an important factor to consider. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have a problem with it personally. Do you not? Uh, Nope. I can use it one-handed easily pretty much anywhere. I mean, you just tip, tip the phone towards you to get to the top of it. Yeah, see, I have bigger problems. But then that's probably because I um, uh, cut the tendon in my thumb years ago, oh. so I don't have as much movement in that thumb. I'm also sort of slightly weirdly ambidextrous, and I can do it with either. Oh, so. no, I can do that, yeah. Yeah, so... Yes. That's, that's an interesting point, though, isn't it? So if you can, and you are a proper right-hander, I assume... No, I was, no I'm a bit weird. I am kind of ambidextrous. Ah, so am I. I'm a weird one like that. Well, I do wonder... What, uh, that's a question I would like to ask okay. people. Do they all... Do you pick up your phone the same hand every time? Because I don't. Um, do I? I do tend to. But if I've got something in my right hand, I still... Mm. I will pick it up with my left. I won't put down or swap what's in my hand yeah well, i use my left mostly because i write my left hand yeah yeah interesting it is okay so consider one-handed use that brings us on to our final point and our final point is don't dismiss mobile apps i never thought i would be saying this <laughs> <laughs> because you know for ages it was like oh we've got to have an app in the app store um but there seems to then this might just be in um the kind of circles that i move in but i do feel like native apps um i should put um dismiss native mobile apps that's what i meant just updating my notes um within the circles i move in there's almost become a bit of a snobbery about um you know native apps because yes they're expensive to support and you have to build for multiple platforms and all the other drawbacks of them and 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 everybody's going oh responsive that's the answer to everything but it's not always the answer to everything there are situations where a native app makes a lot of sense and i think you've got to be very very careful not to um bring your kind of agenda to the table when it comes to these things and your kind of um, biases. So native apps make a lot of sense when you need access to functionality that isn't available through the browser. So, for example, access to the camera or the microphone. Um, It makes a lot of sense when somebody's doing a, um, a, a task on a regular basis, you know, like... Um, uh, for example, with, with um, the, the people that we were meet, meeting last week, you know, getting access in a university to, uh, you know, your grades or um, lecturer's notes, then maybe a mobile app makes a lot of sense in that kind of situation. So there are times when a, when a native mobile app does make sense. Don't, you know, don't kind of just become blinkered over it, I guess is what I'm saying. Everything has its place. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly, 
yeah, I wouldn't choose to access Twitter via Safari on my iPhone. I would use the app. Yeah, because it's something that you use all the time. Mm. Obviously, another one is is offline access. Yes, I know websites can be made to operate offline, but but I don't think users wrap their heads around that. Mm. Um, so I think you know a native app makes more sense in that kind of situation. Uh, so there are occasions when when having a native app is is a good way to go, and just you know bear that in mind. Okay. Okay. So that wraps up our list of top ten t- tips for mm-hmm. improving your mobile experience. I'd love to hear other people's as well. Um, definitely let me know in the comments. Hey, I'll tell you another thing: is other ideas for top ten lists. So if you have um, ten things that, on a subject that you think we should talk about, please send them to Paul at boagworld.com um, because it's nice for it to be stuff coming from you guys rather than just us the whole time. But I think that was a good one actually. Mobile experience is a really important area these days. Um, um, and so it's good to spend a bit of time talking about it. Marcus, top 10 terrible jokes. Oh, I can, well, does that mean I can go back and find my top 10 You ought to do that. Maybe the last in Maybe the series. Maybe the last one of these, yeah. Um, I don't have a joke this week. Pardon me? I don't have a joke. And I deliberately didn't go and research one because people send me good jokes and nobody has. So this is a request. Please send good jokes because you're just too lazy friendly to marcus at com, please now there was that's really interesting because i noticed someone i can't find it now it's typical net someone posted a joke for you on twitter um hmm. and i can't find it now I, if it's a if it was one i felt was usable then i almost certainly would have just copied it over and sent it to myself in an email that's how i do well, that's weird because I don't know whether it necessarily they they copied you in on it because not everybody knows your Twitter ID. What is your Twitter ID? Marcus sixty seven. So if you want to send a joke to him on Twitter, don't send it to me an email. Oh. Well, that way it's, it's, I can search on it. He's just he, so old fashioned. It's not old fashioned. You are. It's sensible. Get with the times. What put it on? Email's throw, dead. Throw, something throwaway like Twitter. <laughs> anyway. I think that's really disappointing. I think you've let our listeners down. Really? You should feel ashamed of yourself. No, no, I I was going to look one up, and I thought, no, that's not what this is about. Oh, okay. If you feel, if you feel that's acceptable behaviour, Marcus. I can't see any jokes in Twitter. Yeah, well, neither can I. I definitely read one. It's really annoying. Anyway. All right, well, thank you very much for listening to this week's show. We'll be back again next week. We'll be talking about something else, but I've no idea what, because I haven't planned it yet. (laughs) Right, Marcus, we can go for a little lie down now. Oh, brilliant. All right, bye, guys. Bye.